0: We hope you enjoy the show, as together we hear how they are making their world better. Well, one of the challenges for an effective nonprofit leader right now is getting the right information so you can make solid financial decisions to help your organization thrive. Well, to do this, you need the best accounting and donation software. Researching, learning, and maintaining software can get really costly. So let me save you some time and money. Aplos just might be the solution you're looking for. Applos is made specifically for nonprofits to manage fund accounting, donations, and your people. So go to nonprofit.applos.com to see how it works and get your 15-day free trial. Welcome to the show, everybody. You know, development and fundraising for nonprofits is always a challenge, and perhaps one of the hardest things we face. And COVID-19 has made development even more challenging, right? Now, how are we as nonprofits supposed to respond to these challenges? What do we do now that most of our regular means of fundraising have been shut down by COVID? Is it time to completely retool our fundraising strategy? These and many other questions are racing through our minds, I know. And my guest today is an expert on development within the nonprofit sector, and you do not want to miss her insights on this episode because my guest is Kathy LeMay. And she has been a global social change fundraiser and philanthropic advisor for more than 25 years. In fact, she started her work in 1993 when she traveled to the Balkans and worked with women survivors of rape genocide camps. And since then, Kathy has traveled the world. She's raised more than $175 million for global social change, with an emphasis on supporting grassroots women leaders. She's also a published author, a sought-after speaker, director of philanthropy at Amazon Watch, and in her spare time, when she has a little bit, an alpaca and goat farmer, which I think is great. Now, you're going to be really inspired today by Kathy's words and insights, so I encourage you now to take out your notepad and start writing. Enjoy today's show. Well, Kathy, thanks so much for being on the show today. You know, there is no doubt that this year has been very challenging for all of us. You know, particularly when it comes to the nonprofit sector, you know, our sector has been hit hard because of many nonprofits, you know, they just saw a huge decline in giving towards their nonprofits because of COVID. While at the same time, the need for their services often increased dramatically during the same time. So for some nonprofits, they need a large influx of cash just to get through this year without closing their doors. In fact, you know, here in Utah, you know, I live in Utah. We did a survey through the Utah Nonprofits Association. and The survey found that among other things, 26% of those surveyed, across the state, they do not think that their nonprofit could last through the end of the year. In fact, without the CARES Act and the Paycheck Protection Program loans, many of these organizations felt like they would have already closed by now. So let's start with some sobering news. You know, this reality for many nonprofits is that it's really difficult. They're not sure if they're gonna make it. So from your vantage point, now you go all over the country and normally you travel all over the world, but of course COVID has stopped that, but you still are in contact with nonprofit leaders all over the country. What is the current status of nonprofits, financially speaking, from your vantage point, and uh, what's your take on how people are doing in general with the nonprofit sector right now?
1: Yeah. Well, thank you for having me on my show, friend. I'm really happy to be here with you. Yeah. Sobering is an excellent word for the state of um, nonprofits. I was thinking about this quite a bit in advance of the opportunity to connect with you and your listeners. And was remembering back in the early 90s, going and listening to um, this very smart guy who founded Share Our Strength, which was um, one of the first nonprofits, I think, really to take up what was once a government role and providing food for families who were food insecure. And his name's Bill Shore, smart guy, great guy. And he said you know, we didn't ever really build an organization because we thought we were just a stopgap measure. We thought, well, we had been cut from that administration's budget, so we'll fill the gaps, make sure families don't get left behind, fall through the cracks, but don't worry, when the next administration comes in, they'll put all that back in their budget, we'll close our doors and go home. Well, the next administration got used to not having that in their federal budget, Right. And suddenly, Share Our Strength is becoming this organization. And he talked about what really is the role of nonprofits in civil society. And in some ways, have governments gotten so used to nonprofit and civic leaders and philanthropists picking up the slack, as it were, that maybe too much of a burden has been put on communities to solve every single challenge they face. And Rob, I think that's even more punctuated and pronounced given COVID because COVID is not something that any of us created or manifested, right? Here is a pandemic that has landed on all our front steps and how we're going to be able to do it without government support, I I think will get more and more challenging as each month goes on. So that the survey, 26% of your folks said they may not last through the end of the year. There's also this really important question that I think is in front of our sector, which is you know, I think the current stat for nonprofits is maybe 1.6, 1.7 million in the US, which averages about 32,000 plus a state. There is a larger question, and I think in front of the sector, which is do we need that many? Nonprofit and, organizations uh, to meet the need, mm-hmm. and as what COVID may do, is force that question a little sooner than maybe we would have had to face it if we stayed in this economic sense, the sense of an an unending economic boom, which they never are. They just feel like they are when we are <laughs> in them, right? Mm-hmm. So I, what I'm seeing now as critical. Is nonprofit leaders who share similar missions saying, How and in what ways can and should we collaborate? Mm-hmm. Is there any possibility we should begin to merge so that services are still provided to the community members that really need and rely on those organizations? Yeah. And there's everything from social services like the safety net, which are critical. Yeah. Um, to kind of drug and addiction support, to mental health support, those those three are just going to keep escalating. From everything I've read, Rob, those three are not going to recede in any way. The need is going to grow. Okay. And so suddenly I think the sector is going to have to begin to pivot and say, if we're each struggling to make our budget, that's detracting us and distracting us from being able to serve our clients. So how do we remove the hurdle of having to think 24-7 about um, fulfilling our budget? And I think part of that is beginning to think about merging with like-minded organizations. And you may lose a few staff people because they would overlap. Um, which is not, of course, ideal. You know, this is a billion-dollar sector that employs a tremendous amount of people and has an enormous volunteer labor force. Right. Um, But like any sector that occupies a critical part in how civic life works, COVID is saying we are going to have to pivot and reevaluate so that we can meet the needs of our community and not... Just watch endless doors get closed and closed and closed. And then all those communities think, where am I supposed to go now?
0: Well, one of the challenges for an effective nonprofit leader right now is getting the right information so you can make solid financial decisions to help your organization thrive. Well, to do this, you need the best accounting and donation software. Researching, learning, and maintaining software can get really costly. So let me save you some time and money. Aplos just might be the solution you're looking for. Aplos is made specifically for nonprofits to manage fund accounting, donations, and your people. So go to nonprofit.aplos.com to see how it works and get your 15-day free trial. Well, it's interesting you say that because uh, truly I've had other people on the show talk about that, that maybe we have too many nonprofits out there, period. And and maybe this is a uh, necessary trimming down of those essential nonprofits that really do need to be here to meet the needs, as you said, of each community. And now here's the other challenge on top of COVID and all the kind of forces that have come onto the nonprofit sector. For a period of time now, charitable giving has gone down. In fact, there's a downward trajectory of uh, giving to a charity over the last several years years way before COVID. And now with COVID that initially there was a surge of giving right kind of when the COVID you know, pandemic hit, um, a lot of people were giving in nonprofits, particularly humanitarian, food banks. There was a lot of giving initially, and then it's kind of gone back down again to quote the normal levels, which is a downward trajectory, unfortunately, for a lot of charity. And so therefore there's less people giving, there's more needs. Is that what you're seeing in your work again across the country? Is it time for nonprofits to retool their fundraising strategy uh, Uh, altogether? And if it is, how are they going to do that? What would you recommend my listeners to do in terms of retooling their fundraising strategy?
1: Yeah. So, oh my God, such great questions. I'm seeing different levels of fundraising and charitable giving depending upon the issue or cause that's being presented. So when we saw like that initial outpouring of incredible support, what created the conditions for that? was a sense of we cannot let all of these people struggle and not have their basic needs met. If you look at the amount of money that was raised right after Justice Ginsburg passed away, it was something ridiculous like $91 million in 24 hours. So I don't actually, I'm not sure I prescribe to the ideal that people are gonna give less. I think people are looking for where do I give to have the most impact. I see a lot of money going toward climate change and climate justice, a lot of money going to racial equity. I'm not seeing a decline in those numbers at all. And the groups that I'm in relationship with are not seeing a decline in those in that giving. Where I am seeing decline, and, and this is anecdotal, I don't have data about this, is around giving to the arts. But also what I've really found, Rob, is... In America, we sometimes like things to get to a total crisis point, so then there is a mass rescue, and there's just some kind of hero's journey story. We're a bit, we're a bit over attached to that. <laughs> but I'm, I'm seeing some larger foundations suddenly see the data coming in that I haven't fully seen, around what is happening to organizations that um, work in the arts, everything from dance to music, etc. And suddenly they're thinking. How do you have a healthy, robust public life without the arts? And what, what's our obligation, especially in times of COVID, people needing to feed their spirits and feed their souls. And so many of the ways that we've all fed ourselves and restored ourselves are suddenly not available anymore. And I don't think philanthropists in the U.S. want to see the arts go away, e- uh, even a little bit. So I think there's going to be some Hail Marys just before it looks like, uh uh-oh, the the tidal wave is about to drop and everything will get swept out to sea. Um, You know, you're looking at, when you look at something like climate change and climate justice, it's an enormous jump that has gone to climate change and climate justice. It's not quite yet the dollars we need, and the data shows like it's billions more that are needed. Um, But... The wealthy people are not faring poorly in this economy. In fact, many people I know who have a significant amount of wealth report that they are doing as well as they ever have been, and maybe even a little better. And I'm not seeing them withhold resources at all. Opposite, absolute opposite. So I, I don't yet prescribe to the sky is falling around charitable giving. I think the, what is in front of fundraisers and nonprofits is to say, what's the invitation we're offering to people? And often it's a the ship is sinking, can you help us rearrange, you know, the deck chairs on the Titanic? And there's not that many people who will go, well that seems like a great proposition, yes, right? (laughs) And so I think it's saying being able to say what value are you providing? what value could you continue to provide if you were able to shore up the right amount of philanthropic capital and what's the story of what you're doing? And I can't say enough now, I may have to tattoo it on myself that right now story is everything I've been talking to, um, so it's so the people who are giving significant money away. And what they have said to me is I'm looking for some hope in a story.
0: Is wow, there a way that,
1: that a life has changed because of something I did. And these are people giving a million, three, five million dollars. These, but Rob, I'm not, you know what I'm not hearing at all these days? What's the return on investment on my gift? Is this a scalable model? You know, all of that, that was like dominating our sector. I said to someone once, did did you just ask me for the return on investment on a human life? I'm certain you didn't. There's no way you asked me that because that's (laughs) really an insane question to ask me. And I'm seeing people be deeply human right now in the sense of, is there a way that I can ease the burden in someone's life? Is there a way I can make a difference? Um, and if nonprofits can put forward the story of the people they're working with, the story of the movement they're building, not the sky is falling, not it's all about to come crashing down, um, I think you, those, those organizations will be able to raise resources.
0: Well, the very encouraging to hear that. And I could not agree with you more about story. You know, I just keep the things I'm reading and the people I'm talking to get on the show. That's, I think that's what resonates with donors all the time, but particularly now with COVID-19. And uh, it's so true. You can't put a value on a human life that you know, minimizes uh, the impact you're trying to have. And so it is interesting how COVID has, has reshaped some of the priorities, if you will, of people when they give. Now, um, yeah, okay, let's talk, let's talk And, what just, yeah, and
1: what, just one other thought about it that I my advice I always give to fundraisers is do a little analysis of your own email inbox and your own uh, snail mail. And take a look at which appeals from nonprofits you stop and read and go, wow. And then you click the Donate Now button, and you had no plans that morning to click <laughs> the Donate Now button. You didn't wake up thinking, how much money can I give away? And then look at why did I give to that? What was in the message? What did I read? Why did that land with me in such a way that I did make a donation? And then look at the ones you ignore and go add to trash, add to trash, add to trash. And then don't do the add to trash things in your own fundraising. Um, And take a little emotional distance and just look at what you're getting and say, how can I pull from what compelled me to give and realize that we all are motivated by the same reason for giving. The number of zeros on your check may be different, but the motivation and the hope is the same. Um, So that's one of the ways as a fundraiser you can get more skilled is look at your own giving and then bring those best practices into how you fundraise.
0: Let's continue on that theme you know, when it comes to fundraising, particularly now in the midst of COVID. I think there is this balance uh, between being sensitive that there are some donors that normally would give to your organization, but they can't right now because financially they're really challenged and they don't have as much to give. At the same time, obviously for nonprofits, the lifeblood of a nonprofit is people supporting their cause and donating to their cause. So how do they strike that balance between still communicating the need that there is a big need to get money from people in the community and yet also recognizing and even validating the fact that there's some donors that maybe don't have the same resources that they used to have to give, how do they strike that healthy balance?
1: Yeah, so it's, I'm gonna, I'm gonna answer this just like with this one sentence and then I promise I'll back it up. Um, my best advice is just be a person. Be like a full and complete human being connecting with other human beings. And I remember raising money um, in New York after 9-11. And a lot of the people who had been giving to the organization at that point I was raising money for lost most of their resources during that time. They wow. lost businesses mm-hmm. that they ran. That was also true years earlier in 2008 and 2009 when suddenly Merrill Lynch and City Financial went bye bye And I remember talking to one donor and she said, Kathy, I had everything in Merrill Lynch, everything. My retirement... Wow my stock options, my home, everything. It's all gone. Mm. And so the being human part is I talked to her about that because I, I couldn't quite imagine what it would be like to lose in one fell swoop all of your resources when you were used to being resource rich. And I said, you know, don't, don't give to us right now. That's, that's not important, but don't disappear. You don't Got have it. to write a check to be a part of this family of work that we're doing. You're not less committed to the values and mission because you need to spend some time rebuilding your life. And in fact, one of the functions of community-based organizations is that they're for everyone, not just the recipients. So we're still your tribe. We're still your people. Don't run. And come to our gala and just, I'd like to give you a free ticket to it. Don't even think about it. I love that. And I said, you are a part of this family and you just need some time and we're still here and you can still write emails advocating on behalf of us and you can still sign petitions. There's a lot of things you can do. And I think she was so struck by, I was just going to be outed and ousted from the organization because I could no longer send you $25,000. So that's the part about being human is if you're not sure if someone has the resources and you have a plan to connect with them to raise money, the, the email question you can ask or if you get on the phone with them is, does it still work for you right now to consider a gift? I know a lot of people's circumstances have changed and I am really thoughtful to that. So does that still work for you? If it does, how do you want to best talk about it? How does it work for you? If it doesn't, do you want to reconnect in the new year about it? Ask permission to ask people about where their giving is at right now. Not do you have money and can you still give? Did you lose money? Or are you not giving? But does it work for you to consider a philanthropic gift at this time? And give someone a chance to say it doesn't now, but it may at some point in the future. I just need a little time facing your own fear as a fundraiser of, I don't know how to bring it up. I don't know how to ask it. I do not want to offend people. Just be a person. How would you want it done for you? Right? Would you want pressure filled emails saying, we really need you. We're counting on you. These people will all go without if you don't do it. And what if you are making a little less in your role and you get an email like that? You know what human nature does, Rob, is delete those emails because they bring up anxiety and shame and people do not give from anxiety and shame. Whereas if you imagined, if you are making a little less right now as a fundraiser, you don't know if you're going to have a job in the future and a group you've been giving to writes to you and says, I'm not sure if it still works for you to make a gift, but I would love to connect with you about it. If it doesn't, it's okay. And if it does, we could just talk about the timing that's right. What does it look like to bring that level of grace forward? And I can just guarantee you with that level of grace and conscientiousness and thoughtfulness, you'll likely end up raising a little more money than your fear is telling you you will raise.
0: I really like that advice of just being a full human and just bring your full humanness, you know, to this role, whatever role you have. And for my listeners, I can't think of a better advice, you know, to every leader, whatever your role is, if you're a board member, a volunteer, um, love that. Thank you for sharing that. we're excited to have Applos as the sponsor of this nonprofit podcast. And what's unique about Applos is that they are dedicated not only to providing you with the best tools, but also to offering free training from their in-house experts and CPAs. Right now, you can get access to a solid webinar on five essential financial reports for nonprofit leaders. To get access, go to nonprofit.applos.com. Hey, friends, I wanted you to know that this podcast can be found on both iTunes and Spotify. If you're wondering how to find it, just type in the words Nonprofit Leadership Podcast, and this podcast should show up. We also encourage you, when you go on iTunes, let us know what you think. Give us a review give us a rating. We would love to hear what you think of this podcast and your feedback will help expand this podcast to get it out to as many people as possible. You can also find other resources and interviews of past guests on my website, nonprofitleadershippodcast.org. Again, that website is nonprofitleadershippodcast.org. Thanks again for listening. And until next time, keep making your world better.